Good morning and welcome to Bethel Lutheran Church in Templeton, California. We're so happy to have you here on our online service and we pray that as we worship that God will bless us, hear our needs and meet us uh, right where we are. Pray that the parts of our worship service are hymns and our uh, beautiful um, music, the liturgy, the lessons, the sermon and the prayers will be feeding to our souls and minds and hearts. take a moment uh, to offer our confession and hear the word of forgiveness. 
God, you call us to proclaim a gospel we find difficult to practice. We watch ourselves and our clocks to make sure we spend more time with ourselves than with you. We are hesitant to witness to your power from on high as we are uncertain of your presence in our lives. Forgive us, God of light. Fill us with the healing presence of your spirit that we may proclaim your good news as we participate in the life and suffering of our world, as did your Son, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Choosing to set aside judgment, God gives us justice. Choosing to let go of punishment, God fills us with peace. Choosing to release anger, God's steadfast love rests upon us. Forgiven, redeemed, restored, we will tell everyone through the lives that we lead what God has done for us. Thanks be to God. Amen. I will praise him 
the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. God among us, we gather in the name of your child, Jesus, to learn love for one another. Keep our feet on solid ground. Turn our minds to your wisdom and grace and our hearts to our neighbors, revealed in your Son, Jesus Christ, our Savior and Lord. Amen. Today we will be continuing our journey through the book of Acts. We will be reading um, the scripture from Acts 16, which is a story about Paul and Silas in prison. I'd like you to listen carefully. It's kind of a long story and it is a little bit wild. But I think uh, there will be some things that stick out to you that you'll want to be thinking about and wondering about. And hopefully we'll read about yourselves. So let's read from the book of Acts, chapter 16, beginning with verse 16. Once, when we were going to the place of prayer, we were met by a female slave who had a spirit by which she predicted the future. She earned a great deal of money for her owners by fortune-telling. She followed Paul and the rest of us, shouting, These men are servants of the Most High God who are telling you the way to be saved. She kept this up for many days, and finally Paul became so annoyed that he turned around and he said to the spirit in her, In the name of Jesus Christ, I command you to come out of her. And at that moment, the spirit left her. Well, when her owners realized that their hope of making money was gone, they seized Paul and Silas and dragged them into the marketplace to face the authorities. They brought them before the magistrates and said, these men are Jews. They are throwing our city into an uproar by advocating customs unlawful for us Romans to accept or practice. The crowd joined in the attack against Paul and Silas, and the magistrates ordered them to be stripped and beaten with rods. And after they had been severely flogged, they were thrown into prison and the jailer was commanded to guard them carefully. When he received these orders, he put them in the inner cell and fastened their feet in the stocks. About midnight, 
Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the other prisoners were listening to them. And suddenly there was such a violent earthquake that the foundations of the prison were shaken. At once all the prison doors flew open, and everyone's chains came loose. The jailer woke up, and when he saw the prison doors open, he drew his sword and was about to kill himself because he thought the prisoners had escaped. But Paul shouted, Don't harm yourself, we're here! And the jailer called for lights, rushed in, and fell trembling before Paul and Silas. He then brought them out and asked, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? They replied, Believe in the Lord Jesus, and you will be saved, you and your household. Then they spoke the word of the Lord to him and to all the others in his house. At that hour of the night, the jailer took them and washed their wounds, and immediately he and all his household were baptized. The jailer brought them into his house and set a meal before them. He was filled with joy because he had come to believe in God, he and his whole household. Now when it was daylight, the magistrates sent their officers to the jailer with the order, Release those men. And the jailer told Paul, The magistrates have ordered that you and Silas be released. Now you can go. Go in peace. But Paul said to the officers, They beat us publicly without a trial, and even though we are Roman citizens, they threw us into prison. And now, do they want to get rid of us quietly? No! Let them come themselves and escort us out. The officers reported this to the magistrates, and when they heard that Paul and Silas were Roman citizens, they were alarmed. They came to appease them and escorted them from the prison, requesting them to leave the city. After Paul and Silas came out of prison, they went to Lydia's house, where they met with the brothers and sisters and encouraged them. And then they left. The second reading is from the fourth chapter of Philippians. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say, rejoice. Let your gentleness be known to everyone. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is pleasing, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence and if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. As for the things that you have learned and received and heard and noticed in me, do them, and the God of peace will be with you. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Speak until our hearts are stirred 
Gospel reading for this morning is from the book of Luke, chapter 15. Now, the tax collectors and sinners were all gathering around to hear Jesus. But the Pharisees and the teachers of the law muttered, This man welcomes sinners and eats with them. And then Jesus told them this parable. Supposing one of you has a hundred sheep and loses one of them. Doesn't he leave the 99 in the open country and go after the lost sheep until he finds it? And when he finds it, he joyfully puts it on his shoulders and goes home. And then he calls his friends and neighbors together and says, Rejoice with me. I have found my lost sheep. I tell you that in the same way there will be more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who do not repent. This is the gospel. It is great to be with you again today. And for those of you I have not yet to meet, I am Mary Steinweber. I'm a Lutheran pastor and live in Los Osos. I come here uh, about once a month to worship with you and to help lead and preach. So let us pray together as we prepare to uh, uncover the word of God. Lord Jesus, thank you so much for your presence with us today. We come before you uh, opening our hands and our hearts and our minds, ready to receive you in ways that you desire to come to us. We pray for your miraculous spirit to work and move in and through and with us in ways that we especially need today. Inspire us, deepen us, and encourage us in our faith. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So as I said earlier, we are continuing our study in the book of Acts from the Bible. And today we find ourselves in chapter 16. Each week, I imagine that you have noticed the stories from Acts are wild. They are full of miracles and wonder, and the people in the stories, Jews and Gentiles and Roman citizens, are all engaged with one another. The setting for today's reading is Philippi, a city in Greece, where there is not a synagogue. We know this. Because for Jews, there had to be 10 men to make up a synagogue. But Paul meets the people at the river, not in the usual place of teaching, which is a synagogue. So we know that this is not Jewish territory, but Roman territory. We heard last week from Pastor Amy the story of Lydia, who was one at the river, now baptized and become a leader in the Christian community. So today we hear more of that story read. And of course, you paid good attention. It is a full story. It is full of emotion and activity, irritation, freedom, capture, beatings, bleeding, imprisonment, binding of wrists and ankles, earthquake, shackles and chains, broken, prisoners released. 
near suicide, light in darkness, sharing of the gospel, cleansing of wounds, baptism, eating together. Can you imagine some game night game where all these are listed and we have to make a cohesive story of this? This is a story of holy disruption. As I read this passage, I could hear myself saying, what? Well, then what happened? What? I asked myself, how can I preach on this? Where is the center of this scripture story? There is so much going on. How will I possibly sort this out in our few minutes together? Well, the first thought I had is that I want you to do something. So after church today or tomorrow, I want you to go back to Acts 16, beginning with verse 16, and read it for yourself once again. I want you to listen to the message and hear what God would like you to hear in this rich and full story. One time through isn't quite enough. So my next thoughts were about God's economy, about God's ability to turn our expectations and our prejudices, our preconceived notions upside down. We follow a God who, through Jesus, continues to teach us that the lost will be found, the least will be the greatest, the last will be first, and the dead will be raised. Our God is one who, when intervenes in our lives, turns things upside down, brings light into our night. So let's explore this passage that speaks of God's upside-down economy. On the face of it, this, this is another story in Acts about the apostles who were imprisoned to silence them, which actually hasn't worked very well. God has already sprung prisoners from Roman prisons twice in Acts, first in Acts chapter 5 and second in Acts chapter 12. So readers should not be surprised that the Philippian jail can't hold Paul and Silas. So to recap, Paul and Silas were preaching about Jesus at the river, and there was a woman there who was following them around shouting, these men are servants of the Most High God who are telling you the way to be saved. Now, she was telling the truth, but was terribly disruptive. And finally, Paul became so annoyed that he turned to her and commanded the spirit to come out of her. Now, the unnamed woman was a fortune teller who was owned by some other people. And when Paul healed her, her owners were upset and dragged Paul and Silas to the marketplace to face the authorities. Now, here's the hard part. As I said earlier, there were not many Jewish people in Philippi, and these owners of the slave woman appealed to the idea that these outsiders were advocating Jewish customs that the Romans didn't practice, Jewish customs. It was easy to dehumanize them as they were not from Philippi. They were foreigners, outsiders, not like us. 
Now, I don't think it is a stretch for any of us to understand. We tend to fear that which is unfamiliar to us, to fear people who we don't understand nor recognize as one of us. We can dehumanize others if we're not careful of our own biases. Anyway, the crowd may have believed that they would have been safer if they got rid of the outsiders, Paul and Silas, by tossing them into jail. But to make sure that they would leave town, they were stripped and beaten. And as the crowd got more aroused, somehow Paul and Silas began to look more and more dangerous. And so they were put into the inner cell of the jail with their feet fastened to the stocks. So here we are in the jail. What could they do? So at the midnight hour, they begin to sing and pray. Now, many of us probably actually do that when we wake up at the wee hours of the morning. We might decide to pray and sing. But then it happened. There was an earthquake. A strange earthquake. But the earthquake in this text is strange because it doesn't bring down the whole building. The jail doesn't crumble, but rather than trapping and crushing, this quake very specifically breaks the bounds that are holding the prisoners captive. This earthquake is a visible manifestation of God shaking the world's powers to its foundations. But notice something is missing from today's prison break story. There is actually no escape. No one leaves. Despite the miraculous setup for Paul and Silas to escape to freedom, the jail cells are opened by an earthquake. The stocks around their feet are loosened. And the jailer himself is apparently knocked unconscious. Through what is surely divine intervention, Paul and Silas can now be free, free to walk out of their cells and away from the city that had falsely accused them. They can leave their abusers who tore their clothes and beat them with rods. They could leave the dark, dank, dirty dungeon and escape into the night, leave unnoticed. Yet, instead of escaping, Paul and Silas remain in the jail cells. Now, this is a curious development that subverts our expectations. And that is when it begins to dawn on me that God is up to something very different in this story. That perhaps my frame of reference is off. The great disruptor is at work. I am beginning to see God's new economy Maybe this isn't a story about escaping from prison after all. Instead, I'd like to suggest this is a dramatic parable about humans walking in radical trust and overcoming fear, which leads others around them to find new life, healing, and baptism. If we back up, we find that after the quake, the jailer wakes up. I assume that he has been awakened by the quake or that he might have been knocked out by something falling. He wakes and knows right away that the prison doors are open, and he knows that he is a dead man. 
Now, you may remember that earlier in Acts, when Peter escapes prison with the help of an angel, King Herod had the jailer executed. Letting a prisoner escape was a capital offense, so this jailer is ready to take his own life. However, Paul sees him somehow and shouts, Don't harm yourself. We're all here. We are here with you. You are not alone. The jailer calls for lights. I imagine uh, fire on, on those sticks that they hold. Lights in the darkness. Isn't the symbolism of this text great? He brings light into the dark, dank cell so he can see the faces of the prisoners who are all there. Well, of course, this begs the question, what are they doing there? None of them has left. These were the folks listening to the prayers and the songs that were being raised at midnight in the darkest hour, in the windowless and bleak part of the prison. The jailer sees them all, dirty, cold, maybe wet and hungry, sees their faces and recognizes something. He sees something that urges him to ask the question, what must I do to be saved? Maybe he too heard the singing and praying. Maybe they didn't need to run to freedom because they were already free. The stocks and the bonds could not hold their hearts back. They prayed and sang from their souls. I think they did what they were able to do. They prayed and they sang. That is really amazing that God can even use our prayers and praise to bring new life to other people. What must I do to be saved? Asked the jailer. And Paul says, simply believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. In the book of Philippians, chapter 4, 6, we hear, Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts, hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. The peace of God will come and center us in spite of our fear and despair. Maybe Paul learned this when he was in Philippi earlier. He saw the power of staying focused on God in adversity, even in prison. Maybe this story is one that draws us a picture of the kingdom of God. This is what God's realm looks like when Paul and Silas reach out to the jailer, to the supposed enemy. They are offering us a concrete example of what it looks like for us to embody the love of God in a world full of despair and hopelessness, of violence and oppression. They demonstrate exactly what Jesus is talking about when he teaches that he has come for the last, the lost, the least, and the dead. And our work is to love. Jesus' work in and through and with us reminds the world that God loves people. And is with us always and refuses to abandon us no matter who we are or how captive we are. 
So when we get back to the story, we see what happens next. It is one of the most tender and powerful scenes in all of scripture. The jailer takes these dangerous criminals who have just saved his life into his own home. He washes their wounds, their open wounds that resulted from being flogged, flogged by the very people the jailer works for. He tenderly washes the rough, bleeding abrasions on their feet from the stocks that held them. He faces and takes responsibility for the ways he and his people have wounded Paul and Silas. And then the text seems to indicate with the same basin, perhaps even the same water that has washed their wounds, the jailer is baptized. He is baptized into their woundedness, pain and suffering. Just as Paul and Silas, even in a brief moment, had stood with him in his own pain as he almost committed suicide, so too does the jailer now stand in friendship with his prisoners in their pain. They have saved each other's lives. These supposed enemies, these supposed people who, these people who are different from one another, have saved one another's lives, and the first thing they do is share a meal together. They become family. They change the expected narrative profoundly, and in the end, they even join together to win not only Paul and Silas's freedom from prison, but also an apology for their mistreatment from those in power. Talk about holy disruption. The actions of the three main characters upend our expectations and transform this story from a tale about escape from prison into a holy story about what God's realm looks like, what love of neighbor looks like, what God's liberation looks like. May we walk in liberty even when we are in the inner cell. May we welcome God's holy disruptions. May we be set free. Let us pray. God, we ask for your blessings upon this holy congregation. Bethel Lutheran Church, bless us that we might be a blessing to others. May they hear our singing and our praise. May we be known for our generosity, our love, and our joy, rejoicing that others will ask, what must I do to be saved? Amen. Springs, the hills and mountains shall break forth with singing. We shall go out in joy and be led forth in peace 
as all the world in wonder echoes Shalom. Love grows in a weary world when hungry hearts find bread and children's dreams are fed. Love grows in a weary world the promised feast of plenty trees shall clap their hands, the dry lands gush with springs, the hills and mountains shall break forth with singing. We shall go out in joy and be led forth in peace, as all the world in wonder echoes shalom. Once forlorn, find wilderness reborn. Hope blooms in a weary world. The promised green of Eden comes. The trees shall clap their hands, the dry lands gush with springs. The hills and mountains shall break forth with singing. We shall go. As all the world in wonder echoes shadow. I believe in God the Father Almighty, Creator of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, God's only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended to the dead. On the third day he rose again. He ascended into heaven. He is seated at the right hand of the Father, and he will come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Thank you, God, for being with us today as we worship you. We offer prayers of, uh, for our world. We pray today to you, helper of the needy, that you would lift up those who are oppressed, breathe justice into economic and social systems that perpetrate poverty and hunger. Thank you for the ministries of this church, the feeding and clothing ministries, the work of its people. We pray for those in prison for our neighbors at Atascadero State Hospital and at the California Men's Colony. Free their spirits and their souls to find peace and joy in you. We also lift up those who work in the prisons, nurses and guards, chaplains, janitors, those in food service. Use each as instruments of your peace. Sustainer and giver of life, you bless this congregation with abundance. Help us to be witness to your love and deep care. When we sing and pray, may others be led to faith. We pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. Let us now pray the prayer that Jesus taught his disciples to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. 
Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. And now may God bless you and keep you. May God's face shine on you and be gracious to you. May God look upon you with favor and give you peace. Amen.
Go now in peace, love, and serve the Lord. Thanks be to God. Thank you.